Hey, welcome to Central. Uh, yeah, hey. Uh, imperfect people in progress. There's a demonstration of that right there. Uh, my name is Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the pastors here and uh, excited that you decided to kick off your week with us. We're in week four of a series that we've been calling Freedom. And uh, week one, we kind of talked about four essentials for, for living a free life, for, for really elevating our life in 2020. Uh, week two, we acknowledge that, man, we all have some hurts, some habits, some hang-ups that, that trip us up in life. And we, the Bible actually calls those things strongholds. So how do we identify those? How do we wrestle those to the ground and find freedom in our life? That was week two. You can check those out online. And last week we discovered that, that, hey, according to Exodus 15, the Lord is a warrior. Like he'll go to battle for you. He desires for you to walk in his freedom. Uh, He'll he'll take up your cause and help you in your time of need. Uh, We discovered that from Hezekiah's story. You can check that out online as well. Uh, But today is, is week four of our series that we've been in called Freedom, and it's my honor to be able to introduce to you a, a guest speaker today who is um, an amazing lady leading an amazing organization. Uh, you are probably familiar with it, some of you, if you've been around for a while, uh, called AIM, Agape International Mission. And they are literally helping people experience freedom, very literally, uh, from sex slave trafficking. And Lisa is the new president. She's been the president of AIM since February 2019. Uh, Lisa has served as the VP of of sales at Oak Leaf Waste Management, and under her leadership, uh, she moved the organization from $3 million in sales to over $300 million in sales. Uh, from then, she started off her, her own organization in 2014, 2018, uh, and led this as CEO of Phoenix Energy Technologies, and uh, then she started her own company, uh, coaching and consulting company. Uh, But Lisa has been, again, the president of Agape International Missions, and if you're not familiar with AIM, uh, they exist to help uh, prevent, uh, to restore, to to regenerate uh, women who have been trapped in sex slave trafficking. And uh, Lisa not only is an amazing leader, uh, but has a huge heart for God and for his church. And now she carries the honor as well as the weight of leading a movement to help women and, and men find freedom uh, from, from this uh, very real evil in our world that we live in. And so I'm so honored to, to have Lisa uh, here to share with us on game day. And so it's going to be an amazing time. So why don't you put your hands together and give a warm, central welcome to Lisa Varga. Good morning. That was a nice introduction, and uh, I'm grateful to be here to finish up your freedom series. Clearly, this church knows about freedom because you made the freedom of choice to make sure Pastor Tim wasn't up here all on Super Bowl Sunday wearing that shirt. So, so what a way to exercise your freedom. Um, I I really uh, do. I'm grateful to be here and uh, to share a little bit about me since this church was the founding church to help AIM get off the ground so many years ago. And you've seen us, yes. Amen to that. Plus, you also pioneered helping uh, um, Jessup uh, get the the Bible college together. I mean, just this, you guys are grassroots people, so I love that. Um, And I'm an entrepreneur by spirit. Um, So... It's no surprise that I end up as a president of of AIM was not on my plan, but God had a bigger plan. Uh, Amen to that, too. So thank you today for allowing me to to share a bit of that today. Um, 
You're probably wondering, as a president of Agape, and this lovely introduction that Tim made as president, titles president, CEO, you know, what does Lisa know about freedom, about personal freedom? Yes, I have a role as the president of AIM, um, but really, you know, you're probably thinking, well, those titles come with, you know, probably a background of Ivy League school and um, preparing me for a role as entrepreneur, uh, probably educated and groomed my entire life. And I would say, you know what? You're right. Um, but not the way you think. So I'd like to share just a little bit of who I am. And uh, at the age of 14, my mom signed away parental rights. So I, I was uh, allowed to go off and raise myself. Um, never went to college. And I built my own successful energy technology company and ran that for 15 years and was able to uh, sell it to the largest energy company in the United States. So yes, God has prepared me for this role my entire life, but not by traditional means. I want to share with you how God can use everyone today and give you the freedom to show up in a bigger way, using your trials, your tribulations, and especially your mistakes. <laughs> so God has uh, been with me my entire life, and I've learned along the way that I was created in him. I know that God prepares our path ahead of us. I didn't know that at the time, but all we have to do is be open to his will, listen for his guidance, and be obedient. He will meet us right where we are and lead us through those paths and help us put on that armor of God to do the work that he's called us to do for that short time we're here on earth. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance to do. But my story today isn't to tell you about a rags to riches story, though we all like those. But uh, hopefully I'll show you and inspire you as how God can use you and all of us as we do our special journey that God has already planned out for each and every one of us. And through him, do good works. Kind of like an amazing race, an adventure. I've really embraced that in the last year of being Ames president and thought, this is awesome. So if you lean in and accept this, God can use you too in amazing ways, and you can start joining your adventure and going on your amazing race. So God appointed me to this adventure um, and sharing. Today I'd like to share some of the, the intimate details of my pathway to this adventure. Um, but I also want to share some stats and numbers so that you kind of understand the magnitude of a topic that's so dear to me. Again, I know this church was very connected to AIM from the beginning, um, but sharing some of these impact numbers of the horrific crimes that occur around the world um, make us all stand and fight together in this fight. Did you know that right now, especially on Super Bowl Sunday, this is no joke, 
but right now there's about 24.9 million uh, people being trafficked today worldwide which means there's more slaves in this world today than ever before traffickers annual profits exceed 150 billion dollars a year 150 billion that's more than Exxon Microsoft BP Samsung and Apple combined in Cambodia alone from January to June of 2019 the authorities rescued 263 victims from human trafficking that's where AIM does most of their work yeah, amen 263 women and children saved 70 of those victims were under the age of 15. I know it's heartbreaking 30 of them 15 to 17 so a hundred of those were children under the age of 18 aim had 182 of those rescues in 2019. Amen to that. And you guys did that because you guys were the grassroots of AIM. So sink that in, 182. And every year, AIM's numbers get bigger and bigger because of the, the gifts that God has called and the provisions you have given. We have over 1,440 rescues in our history of 15 years. 1440 so again you guys were there so we can make a difference in a child's life it just takes action but rescue them is just the beginning of our goal to help mobilize Christ's army to rescue them and prevent these horrific acts from ever ever occurring because the impact these um, acts on children could alter their life forever so when a child is abused it just sets a whole cycle for the rest of their lives. So as a child, unfortunately, life was not picture perfect for me. I had to endure a volatile home, volatile home life where alcohol and violence was the norm. And hearing your mom being beat and having to endure sexual brutality, even at gunpoint at times, was a weekly occurrence for me. In the summer months, my mother would flee with my siblings and I in the night um, after many of the beatings and take refuge in a family or friend's home. But she would always go back with the unmet promises of it would never happen again. And that was only what happened at my mom's house. When I had to go to what I call my birth father's house, because he had rights as a parent, um, the worry for my family, my sisters and I, would be if dad had a new wife or would one of us become the affection or the, the uh, focus of his affection. Luckily for me, I was the baby, so I only had to endure that once that I recall. Sorry, I'm not the pastor speaker. I have to go by notes still. <laughs> I don't, give, I don't want to give you the idea that I wasn't loved as a child. As love comes in many forms, and hurt people hurt people. But God protects the children, and that I know for a fact. 
There was one point in time where my mom and my stepdad actually started going to church due to having a car accident that changed their life. Actually, they almost died. Um, and what do people do when they get hurt and they have a, a life-changing event? They show up at church. God has a way of just drawing us here, right? So that was my introduction to church and the love of Jesus for the first time. And during that time, things were more calm. My parents were more loving. The beatings stopped. And there has to be something to this church thing, right? Unfortunately, my parents went back to their old ways about a year or so after, and the cycle started all over again. The summer I turned 15, my mom endured another horrible beating and fled in the night with my sister and I. And that's when I decided I'm taking control of my life at the age of 14. I enjoyed the days where no beatings occurred, and I didn't want this for my life anymore. As well as I lived in one of the worst parts of Baltimore City, so you talk about the vulnerable, that part of the city is still very rough. Uh, most of my friends um, were starting to fall into drugs, having inappropriate behaviors, um, and just 13 today of my friends, childhood friends, are gone from this world because of those actions. Um, so when my mom said she was going to go back, my sister and I said, we're not going, and if you make us, we're going to run away. So my mom signed away parental rights and allowed me to stay with a family member and raise myself. What was she thinking? <laughs> 14, I can't imagine. But God was still with me. But what does the Bible say about hurting children? If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it will be better for them to have large millstones hung around their neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. That's pretty profound. Surely makes a statement, doesn't it? Tells us that he protects the children and he feels very strongly about that. And God is very clear about that. That he loves and protects them. And that we are called to love and protect God's children. Like soldiers in an army. And unfortunately, the stats are against children who are, um, who are abused. Up to 95% of today's uh, women working in the sex trade were sexually abused as a child. And more than half, 51% of adults who were abused as a child experienced domestic violence and abuse in their life later in life. Though I was very lucky, my life did not turn out to be either of those stats. And God had a different plan for me. But I still had some training to go through, and unfortunately, the training came in the form of more pain. As a teen, now I had to fend for myself and get myself to school every day with no parental prompting and make a living. So the reality was I was a great student before I left home and a promising leader. So much that I was actually recognized in eighth grade by the uh, mayor of Baltimore City as the outstanding student leader of the entire city. I was actually accepted to an all-girls academic school for high school. And um, it was by invitation only. 
So how could a parent let your child walk away from that? Let your child go and raise themselves. As a mother of four children, I still ask, what was my mom thinking? But obviously she wasn't thinking because again, hurt people hurt people. So unfortunately all that honor stuff went out the door when I went to raise myself and um, decided not to go home. And like most teens, I just wanted to go have some fun now. The chains were broken. So I was responsible for it myself. So I had to get a job at 14, which is very um, interesting because really you're not supposed to work till you're 15. I couldn't drive, so I had to walk to work every day and I lived in Pennsylvania at that point. Um, so I walked um, on a country road, uphill both ways. You've heard the story. <laughs> but I took the easy route on my studies, my homework. I wasn't an honor student, an overachiever anymore, because I was having fun. I was broken free from the first time, for the first time from the strict rules of my alcoholic parents, angry alcoholic parents, I'll mind you. Um, so I was like any normal teenager with no rules. I just coasted through high school. I graduated high school, but certainly not with any honors. And I never did go to that Ivy League school that my path was on. Um, but I did make it through. I met my high school sweetheart that summer when I was 14. And I was practically married through my high school years. I married that young man for about a minute and then pursued a life of building further insecurity and brokenness. So yes, I was married at 18, divorced by 20. And the guy was actually a very godly man. So again, I found some calm during those times with his, him and his family. But I went down a path of further brokenness. I did things during those years that today I'm in awe of, is how did I get there? It was seven long years of really making some bad choices, showing up in places that, that would tear my soul, make me feel worthless and shameful. I married a man who never believed in God. He was actually very proud that he was an atheist. He had a son that I was not a good stepmother to, at least not one that, that revered the honor title of mother. I was that employee that nobody wanted to hire, including myself. I would create issues, gossip, stir up stuff, um, all due to my own insecurities, because I wasn't good enough. So I had to power my way through and step on people and, and just couldn't be me. I was fired three times in those seven years. But the Bible tells us in reading in Isaiah 53, 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, iniqui iniquity sorry, of us all. So in him, I have hope and forgiveness and love for myself. And yes, I did stray from my path. I was not following in the Lord's footsteps. 
but because Jesus died on the cross, I can get back on that path. And God can use me and my pains and my hurts and my brokenness for good things. You know, it's funny because when you do go through healing, um, and we, we uh, see this even at Ames still, a lot of our girls have come through and um, are now powerful women in their own rights working for Ames. But every once in a while, something pops up. And I was recently at a conference and I heard a survivor speak, and it was an epiphany for me, which I didn't think I had any more epiphanies in me. You know, I am 48 years old. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, her, her life mirrored mine a little bit um, in regards to her parents were full of addiction and abuse, and as a child, she was abused herself. Though her path as a young adult was different than mine, at least so I felt, you know, I don't know what she's talking about because she ended up working as a stripper in a sex club and I didn't but she spoke and when she spoke um, of life as a young woman and she spoke of her life in that environment as a, a young woman in that in that club how familiar it felt for her when she took that job when she took that role the chaos of her childhood mirrored the chaos in her new life as a young woman and the environment she was in as a stripper and the pains that came with that life. It was the first time I realized that life was no different, my life was no different than hers. Though I didn't necessarily take my clothes off for money, I did things that were equally similar but just justified them because I didn't take money for it. And that even in that chaos, that felt familiar to me when I was in that time of turmoil. And that chaos was normal. But I didn't have to stay in that familiar anymore because I knew that God had shown me a different path. So many years ago as a child, where things were calm for a moment, times of love, and the chaos never had a place in my life anymore, or though it shouldn't. And I know today, during this time, and throughout my life, God was with me. But God needed me to see these things, and would use these contrasts in my life to ensure that I know that I don't want that life. And that if he's in the center of my life, chaos doesn't need to occur. It, he brings that calm. He gives you that joy. He gives you that confidence. 89% of women working in the sex trade want to leave that life. And we see it in Cambodia. There's a big transition because there's a lot of money coming in from China. And the dynamics are very somewhat similar in some cases to ours um, here in the U.S. Over 84% of women in the trade are being pimped or controlled by a third party. So, you know, that's a big number. There's always someone in the dark. I love the, the song, In the Shadows. God shakes and gives fear in the shadows. Um, at AIM, we have a 99% recidivism rate that these young women never go back to that life. We rescue them, 
but we also restore them to show them God's unconditional love. And then we also help reintegrate them so they have a job and they don't have to go back to that life and give them a job in an honorable way. And we give them a place to work where it's safe and it's calm and there's no chaos. If anyone tells you that prostitution or selling yourself is a choice for these girls, it's not a choice. Remember that statistic I told you of the abused child. 95% of those women had chaos in their life and they're choosing chaos. And they just haven't found their way out. So in my late 20s, I, had fi I finally found my calling and I landed a job in sales. A client from a large energy utility um, I had worked with for about a year took a liking to me and he saw something in me. At that time, the energy industry was deregulating and they needed to understand what sales was about. So they taught me the energy industry and I taught them sales. And um, they ensured me I didn't need to, to worry about not having that because that insecurity coming up, what do, you, what do I know about energy? Um, and they did, they taught me those things. And my career just took off. I went to help them create an organization outside of their, uh, their regulated body and um, started making a name for myself out in the industry. So I was recruited by a Northern, uh, Southern California utility and they moved me to Southern California. After that, I started my own energy technology firm and um, I remarried again to a great Christian man. I became a stepmother and also gave birth to my own boys. This time I took it seriously. This is a role that I honor. I have a chance to break that cycle and love on children and raise my own children in a loving manner that I never had. I became a very prominent female in a very male dominant industry um, and was able to um, mentor many women um, in the energy and retail markets. But through all that, in my early stages, I was a baby Christian. I was doing life on my own terms. So um, I kept God at arm's length, you know, went to church when, you know, um, when I wanted to, but when it was inconvenient, maybe I didn't go. And I almost lost all of that glorious blessings husband, family, um, because God wasn't at the center of my life. And I desperately needed him there. I needed him to keep that calm, keep that chaos out of my world. Um, so I went back to what I learned in each part of my journey, and that was God. So I turned to him for answers and sought comfort and calm in my chaos, and I changed my life completely. I became the great mother I always wanted for myself. The wife that my husband deserved and a strong leader to many with a servant's heart. I eventually sold my firm to the largest company, utility company in the United States and agreed to stay on the CEO for several more years. And God was very good to me. That was God's doing. If you knew me, I'm a giant dork. I don't know how to use my iPad or my iPhone. 
I know nothing about <laughs> technology, and I had a pretty amazing company. Um, but God was repairing me. Um, he wanted more from me, and he was calling to me. On the day that I was sitting at my desk, um, about to write the letter to my team that I had sold the company, I saw my vision board up on my bookshelf, and I pulled it down. And I kid you not, everything on that vision board had come to fruition, all the way down to the house on the lake that we had just purchased. Um, when we downsized, actually, when we sold the company um, and preparing for what life looks like in the future. But the only thing that stood out on that vision board was this little tiny circle picture of a child with a cleft palate. And it was my, my insignia of um, my belief and desire to go and help vulnerable women and children. And so that uh, was November timeframe. Um, we decided to, to move churches since we moved. Um, it was closer to our home church now. And I prayed going into the end of that year, God, use me. I am going to move into that, that role, and I'll show up however you want. Well, be careful what you ask for, <laughs> they say. That, that right after I prayed that, we went to the New Year's service um, at the church that we now go to. And um, there was this gentleman on the pulpit. It wasn't Pastor Rick. It was uh, Pastor Ray from... Bayside Church talking about AIM. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but they say, you know, you know, God will answer your prayers, and he did call me to act. And so they say the rest is history, right? Though it was a two-year journey, it played out something like this. I first did a fundraiser for AIM, standing on a stage uh, much like this, um, to my National Trade Association, again, mostly um, white male men older than me, um, who's known me for 25 years, and I gave my personal testimony on behalf of AIM, and I was doing a fundraiser in my booth and asking these men to come buy a bracelet, save a girl's life. I had a line out the booth, men that I've known for 25 years in tears, thanking me for my story and telling me their own heartbreaks of their own pain as a child and their own abuse. Gives me chills every time I think of it. I was then asked to join the AIM board because AIM was in a time of growth and trying to prepare for growth um, and moving from a prayer board to a fiduciary board. Um, and then I was asked to... Uh, well, I, I retired from my CEO role because I felt God was calling me for something bigger and I needed some time for rest. Um, but I did state, everybody asked, what are you going to do? You know, you're, you're so young, you're not going to go and play golf. And I thought about it. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Um, but again, I stated, God has me planning for a life of service. I knew that in my soul. I had no idea. And I knew it was an aim. I just knew, um, nope, I'm already given everything I got to aim. They can still get that and I can go help someone else. But again, God had a different plan. Um, and about a year later into my retirement, God spoke to me in the weirdest way. 
Um, John and Bridget Brewster, which many of you know, our founders are amazing, God-fearing, loving couple. And they had been through a rough year. I mean, almost to the point where they almost killed him in Cambodia with a, a gallbladder surgery, you know. Uh, he was tired. He needed some rest. And as a board member, I said, we've got to do something. Maybe I can help. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> About that prayer, here it comes all over again. So don't speak things out loud if you don't want it to happen. And here I stand in front of you. Statistics and the odds were against me. Um, in my business career and the blessings that I've gotten. But God knew what path, what adventure, what amazing race he had laid out for me, um, even as before I was born. As I shown as a young child that when Christ is in the center of your life, chaos can go away and you were unconditionally loved. As a young child, when my parents sought Christ, it gave me a glimpse of how big our God is and how he can calm the storms. And now as an adult, I have unwavering faith. And I know that God can use all of us like he used Rahab, like he used Joseph, and so many more in the Bible. He uses our paths and our stories to shape us for the work he's calling us to do for his kingdom. Your story doesn't have to be as dramatic as mine, as you don't have to have the pain for God to use you. He may be calling you, he may not be calling you to the front line, but he will use each and every one of us to help fight oppression, protect the weak and the vulnerable, and join the fight for kingdom builders right where you are today. So if you're an executive, a teacher, a mom, a tradesperson, a student, it doesn't matter. If you seek God and trust him and ask him, and truly ask him to use you, he will. I could go on and on all day, and I know I'm standing between you and the football game. So <laughs> we can have a coffee if you'd like to hear more. I'd love to talk about me. This is so much fun, the amazing race. Um, I just have so many blessings. You heard about the pain today, but I can tell you so many blessings. I have friends who say, everything you touch turns to gold. And I say that's because of Jesus. God has anointed me to do good things because he knows that I'm not going to squander them. He's given me the training. Um, so if you want to be blessed, I'm, I'm a testament of that. Just join his army. Today my eyes are wide open to how God was with me along my journey, preparing me for this season of life. What better role for me to be a a president of an amazing organization that saves women and children from sexual slavery. He's prepared me my entire life for this role and the one to me that matters most. I could, again, tell you even more stories about that and the step-by-step -step part of he's taken me on this journey and how each part of my season aligns with what he's asking me to do today. Every day when I show up at work, and just to give you some magnitude, because I had no idea that I was a board member, AIM has over 400 employees in Cambodia, 36 missionaries, and about 20 employees here in the United States. And he has called me to come in and stand alongside of them as their leader and move the organization forward for growth. 
And every day I align something crazy that God has prepared me in life. Oh, I got that answer. <laughs> I know I've been through that before. Um, and it's been amazing for me. I get blessed every day for serving in this role. I get to inspire and love my team at AIM and to grow them into great leaders. And the funny part is I know he isn't finished yet. And that is exciting to me and fun because it's just beginning. So in closing, Revelation says, to the one who is victorious and does my will to, end, to the end, I will give authority over the nations. How does that sound like a, a job perk? Part of your amazing race. So I encourage each of you today to ask yourself, what is God calling me to do? How has my journey prepared me to meet God exactly where I am today? And again, if you're a plumber, join the fight by using your skills to help an organization who's helping in this fight by giving free plumbing services. Use your business to do God's work and he'll bless your business. If you're an executive, how can you give your business talents to help an NGO move forward in growth? And if you're a mom, what programs can you possibly support by sharing information to your other mom groups or at school or where your day takes you? It's not always money that is needed by God. He wants to use all of your gifts and your talents and your shape and your purpose for his kingdom. So show up in love like Jesus and meet God today right where you are in this fight against this battle. C.S. Lewis said, since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. So how might you be a brave knight today? Show up with your armor. Put on the armor of God and join our army or one of the armies here locally because it's going to take all of us to fight that 24.9 million people who are enslaved. And consider yourself knighted by me today and the Heavenly Father. And let's go out and meet God right where you are today. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, while I got uh, got Lisa here, um, good. Go ahead and have a seat. Quick question. Yes. So sir. we um, uh, helped fund a, a school uh, mm -hmm. recently with uh, in Cambodia yeah. uh, to provide education, quality education. Any updates on the school? How's it going? Uh, what's uh, yeah? How's that looking? It's it's awesome. Uh, for anybody who did trips back to years ago to Swipok, yep. So you know that dirt road that was outside the church. Um, well, that road is paved. So kids, kids are playing on that street today. And you uh, walk down the street and you turn the corner and there's this beacon of hope in the middle of Swipok that looks like it should be here in Alameda or one of the, one of the amazing cities here. Um, filled with children. Every year, we'll be actually maxed out in three year, within three years, both with, with our elementary and English schools, that we are even thinking already about how do we build more? Do we build another wing? So God is showing up amazingly there. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, Love that. Yeah. So thank you.
Um, and I just so appreciate your vulnerability with us today and sharing some of your story. And, and certainly our, our past shapes our future. And it seems like God has certainly shaped you for this assignment, you know, even though it may not never have been on your radar. Um, what maybe in this role, so you've been in the role a year, right, essentially. Yeah. Um, as you look at AIM and your assessment over the past year, uh, what are some things you've uncovered? Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe were a surprise? And in light of those things, where's the direction of AIM uh, going now? Good question. Um, you know, like any organization, you know, it's not perfect. I mean, AIM right now is moving from what I'll call a founder entrepreneurial um, based organization to a professionalized larger organization. And the thing that, um, especially if you, Don and Bridget, are your heart, um, so is that of AIM. And it, it's very important to make sure we hold on to that heart regardless of the growth. And that is one of my, um, my biggest gifts that I feel that God has anointed me with is really discernment and love in servant leadership. Um, so really being intentful and breathing into everyone who's working for AIM, those 400 plus employees, those 36 missionaries, um, the, the US, and bringing them together and making sure that we're all aligned no matter where we are in the world and showing up the same way. Um, so just making sure that we do some correction on that and make sure that we are there. Um, and then also where we're going, um, I'm almost scared because God is <laughs> way bigger than I can dream. Um, but, you know, we'll be almost a $10 million organization. And um, I, I know we're going to be $100 million easily, if not more, at some point. Um, and I don't think it's too far away. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, and so, obviously, the, we've been financial partners for a while and mm -hmm. kind of a ascending church. Um, in addition to that, the, the financial piece, what other ways might we, uh, who uh, just heard some staggering statistics and just um, very moved by the rise of brokenness in our world, especially when it comes to, to sex trafficking, uh, what might your recommendations be for, for us as a church uh, to partner against this global giant? He said that out loud. <laughs> so be careful. Um, you well, know, time's up. All right. So know, let's right? <laughs> he's a Chiefs fan anyway, so we don't listen to him. <laughs> oh. oh, Lisa, it was great having yeah, you here. Know, don't right? be surprised if you don't get invited back. By it's the fine. Way, I'm your new senior pastor. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, um, really, it is. And, and I don't want you to be scared by that 24.9 million because God is bigger than, than we can even dream of. And we don't show up small. He shows up big. Right. So, but it will take all of us, all of us partner and even competitors, as we call them. There shouldn't be a competitor in the human trafficking industry. So how do we partner with them? But you guys... Um, we do have actually a new movement um, program called Anthem. Many of you may have gotten that email. I'm wearing one of the cuffs, but it's actually an impact where you can, can send your code out to your peer group and you can actually track your impact on how many people bought a bracelet and sent their, to their referral and you can save lives just from your computer. That's one great way that we've never had a name before. The other is, you know, we are about to um, build another transitional home. Um, God has given us about two-thirds of that money. So if your church is at all interested in getting behind that last third, we'd love to talk to you about that opportunity. Um, because 
every child that's not saved, they're raped five to 20 times a day. And that, so we can't sit still. And we have to have beds for them to, to be in. So, um, so there's lots of ways. We could spend all afternoon, but there's two great ways. Um, but just serve in your community. Go find your local anti-trafficking um, initiative here that pulls at your heart and help them, um, your businesses, your, your skills, whatever. So. Love it, love it. Well, Lisa, thank you so thank much you. for being here. Thanks so All much right. for sharing. God bless you. That's awesome. Nice thank you, guys. Yeah. So good, so good. We're going to move to a, a time of communion uh, now. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with, with this moment in our church service every week, uh, basically this is an opportunity for us just to pause, uh, slow down the pace of life a little bit, and just remember what unites us. One thing that is true for, for believers in Jesus, uh, that we are, are brothers and sisters in Christ under this like covenant relationship uh, with God, sons and daughters of the king, and uh, doing kingdom work. And like Lisa, sometimes that kingdom assignment takes us to places that we maybe never thought we would be. And maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even know what my kingdom assignment really is yet. Well, this is a great time to reflect on what Lisa just shared and, and ask God, God, what, in my past, what, what has my past shaped me for in the present? And what do you have for me in the future? And I believe that's a dangerous prayer like Lisa shared, but I believe it's a prayer that God's willing to answer. 